Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Hey guys, Chad here, and we've got a special announcement that I am super psyched about. We are announcing the first ever Real Estate Hackers Conference. Get excited. It's called the Next Generation of Real Estate Investing focused on really the future of where investing is going, combining real estate, tech, and all the innovation coming about. It's going to be held in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at the Lancaster Convention Center. We're going to have 40 speakers, including many folks that you've heard on this podcast, folks like Matt Faircloth, Jerry Horst, Anna Kelly, Michael Manthai, even Eric Cabral, who produces the show, will be there. Networking at night on Friday and Saturday at some super fun places within walking distance of the event. And we're going to have 100 vendors from across investing. These are folks I wish I had met when I first started investing in real estate. Each will even have a discount coupon to save you money the first time you work with them. April 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Lancaster Convention Center. Go to realestatehackersconference.com to learn more. That's realestatehackersconference.com. Use the code HACKERS to save 50 bucks. And man, I hope to see you there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. On to the show. This show is brought to you by Slate House Property Management. Slate House manages over 4,000 units across the Mid-Atlantic, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, and Maryland. Property management is, for sure, not the sexiest industry, but what makes Slate House unique is it was actually founded by investors and engineers. Slate House has built or licensed over 12 different technologies to improve returns for investors and make better living experiences for tenants. Full-time maintenance guides help work get done quicker at a reasonable price. Slate House manages properties for many of the guests actually on this show and has helped them scale their business so they can focus on acquiring more properties. For more information, go to slatehousegroup.com. Call 717-413-6976 or email service at slatehousegroup.com. Look forward to talking to you and back to the show. All right, guys, welcome. Uh, I am pumped. We got uh, another edition here, the Real Estate Hackers podcast. We got the uh, founder and owner of uh, RP Capital, uh, Ron Phillips, in the house talking to us about a whole bunch of really cool stuff today. I am really pumped. Ron has a tremendous uh, history and background in real estate. Ron, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. No, I'm excited to be here, man. It's going to be good. 
Cool. Well, Ron, why don't you kind of start off with maybe give people a, a brief flavor of how you interact with investors because it's, it's a little bit different of how you help investors find properties. It's a little unique from maybe kind of your average, let's say, real estate agent, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am a broker, um, but, um, and everybody who works with me are, are agents, but we specialize in, you know, one to four family rental properties. And uh, interestingly enough, we, we actually specialize those in those in multiple markets. Um, so we're, we're not, as you said, we're not your average um, real estate brokerage. Um, and what we do is we actually go out and educate people as to why they would want to do this. We, we help kind of create investors, so to speak. And then we, uh, we go out to the areas and vet um, kind of the partner organizations that we work with, both builders and rehabbers and, you know, management companies and, and, and everybody put it all together into a nice, easy package for our clients. And, um, and I mean, that's basically what we do. Um, we provide a, a pretty high level service for our clients. Um, but we, because I'm a broker, I don't have to charge them anything because I get paid by the sellers. Right. So it's, it's pretty cool for, for our clients. And, uh, from a, uh, kind of, I guess, just give me some, some perspective of the, the breadth that you guys cover. Uh, do you have, you have investors from, I guess, all over the country, maybe even all over the world. Uh, yeah, we don't really do international um, as much. Okay. We've, we've had a few that, uh, that kind of trickle in, um, but we are national. Um, we, we have investors from coast to coast and Hawaii and Alaska, um, all over the country. And then we're in 10 states right now as far as our, our, our properties are concerned as well. And we move around with market conditions because you know, markets that we were in in 2000, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, we're no longer in because they don't make any sense anymore. Yeah. So we move based on market conditions and um, yeah, help our clients actually reposition out of those areas into areas where they can actually make more money with all of the awesome market gift of appreciation that they've had over the last 10 years. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned that you've been doing this for 10 years. Uh, can you talk through are you seeing investors be more willing to invest outside of their local area than maybe you did 10 years ago? Well, so I've been doing this uh, since 2005. So I've run through oh, so, so one cycle and um, believe it or not, I was, I, I before it was um, really cool. Um, I was selling to out of state people. So my business since 2005 has been selling to out of state folks. Um, okay. There were a lot of people buying, out of state before, but they were buying wrong because they, you know, the hype back then was to buy appreciation and, and to hell with cash flow. Right? It didn't matter until it mattered uh, in 2008. <laughs> then it mattered a lot, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I watched um, some really wrong-headed decisions in real estate um, during that time when we were selling in the Midwest in, in cash flowing safe marketplaces. And then when everything fell apart, we moved back into those high appreciating markets because the numbers worked again and sold for a few years there. So kind of rode both of those, of those cycle waves. And um, during all of that time, we've, all of my clients bought out of state. Um, I think it's more accepted today than it once was. We had to, we always have educated our clients on why they would want to do that. Um, but there's a lot more people now um, that, 
that are not as fearful, I guess, uh, about out about out of state investing as when I first started in this in 2005. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, could, could you talk through maybe some of the uh, I don't know what are the maybe some of the do's and don'ts of investing out of state uh, for an investor? Um, <clears throat> well, so I I think the number one rule is is positive cash flow. So I, I think. Um, so many people say that the number one rule in real estate is location, location, location. And um, man, I think that's really not accurate at all because you can be in an awesome location, buy at the precise wrong time and lose a fortune. So, uh, I mean, perfect example is, um, you know, all of these areas that are, are skyrocketing and have for the last 10 years uh, in appreciation. Well, those markets are fantastic. They have great economies. But if you can't cash flow and we're at the end of the appreciation cycle or nearing the end of the appreciation cycle, you can't make any money doing that, right? Um, and so number one rule in real estate to me is cash flow. Uh, so after all expenses, it has to cash flow. In, in addition to that, now you have to choose a market that A, that works for the cash flow, but B, that has underlying economics that are trending in the right direction. So you, you still have to buy in a good market, right? You can't buy in one that's going the wrong way. And then third, but probably should be right up there uh, alongside of number one, um, because it affects number one, is property management. Property management is absolutely critical. It's the key to making all of this work. So if you wanna, if you wanna invest out of state, you have to have somebody who is fantastic at managing properties and has your best interest at heart. Um, they have to manage it as if it were their property, right? So if you have those three things, um, you can do really, really well out of state. So even, even more so than buying a property at 50% of value and all those other things, um, those three are critical because you can still buy a property 50% under, under market value if you have a train wreck of a property management company you're not going to make any money. doesn't matter. Yep. That's great. Uh, how do you encourage, I'm sure you have a whole bunch of different systems set up to help investors uh, kind of basically identify those three points. Um, do, do you maybe want to talk through maybe starting off with maybe the market? Um, you know, are, are you pulling like census data and stuff like that to try to understand where is this market and how's it, how's it trending in the right direction? Yeah, and that's one of the things I think that has really, really changed over the last probably decade is, the, is, is access to really good, accurate data on marketplaces um, and, and on companies for that matter. Um, so, you know, with the advent of, of all of this online, and, and there's so much now, um, it used to be really, really difficult to acquire the data that you needed. You kind of had to know the area. I mean, you, you had to be in the, in the area, from the area to be able to know what's, what was going on. That's not true anymore. And you, there are so many websites now where you can pull data on, um, on the economy and see exactly what's going on inside of a, of a, a metropolitan or micropolitan area um, that literally anybody can go out there and, and figure out whether the job growth, population growth, the, the key economic indicators are going in the right direction. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's really not that hard anymore to do the research that you need to do. And that's, I think, one of the other things that's made it um, a lot 
less fearful for people to actually do this because they, they can trust but verify. So my company does all that. My company also vets all of the people that we work with. But an investor that's new to me, to my company or to anybody else's company can very easily go out and figure out whether or not what we're saying is accurate because it's all on, it's all on the internet now. In addition to that, you can see um, one of the other really important things I think that, that people overlook is uh, in a marketplace if it has a diverse economy. So if you have, uh, I call them one horse towns, it could be a two or three horse town too. If the horse gets shot or somehow dies, then your investment is in trouble. And people learned that back in, in 2008 because you know, we had the auto industry just got annihilated and Detroit was the auto industry. That's right. what was there. Um, and we've seen the same thing happen up in North Dakota. It was all the rage right? because, you know, there were, there were more people going up there than there was housing. There were more jobs up there than it could be filled. Well, then all of a sudden gas prices, oil prices changed. And immediately things started to kind of slow down up there big yeah. time. So if you go into an area and there's only one, one thing in the economy, you, you can just, you're, you're, you're going to have problems, right? So you want a diverse economy and all of these things you can find online. So you can do all of this research for yourself online. Do, do you have a favorite website that you uh, recommend people use to, to kind of find this kind of information? I, I really don't. Um, City data is really an, is an easy one that pops up in all of the searches. And I yep. think that the information is, is laid out in a way that most everybody can understand. It's simple. Yeah, have you seen um, that before? Yeah. But I mean, my, my company uses, I mean, we use more complicated things you have to pay for. So, I mean, we have CoStar and, and some really, really complicated with really deep economics in behind them um, because I also buy multifamily properties. So I'm looking at the trends for not only one to four unit, but I'm also looking for, at, for trends in apartment complexes and what's going on. All of those things are very telling. That's great. Um, so uh, could you maybe help people understand a little bit you know, if you're an investor and maybe you've never bought out of state before, uh, what does that process even look like for, uh, I mean, is the investor typically going to see the property in person or are many times there's pictures and videos that essentially now are such high quality that it, it, it makes the person feel like they're there without even actually going there? Yeah. So 95% of our people never visit their properties. I mean, uh, most of, I'd say most of my clients have never even seen them before they sell them after they've appreciated, after That's years of appreciation. That's um, amazing. And, and the reason is be, because of all of the technology. Again, you can, you can literally get whatever you need. So, I mean, if, if you're not comfortable without, you know, somebody walking through with a video, you can get HD video uploaded for, you, for your property before you, before you close on it. Um, you know, pictures nowadays, I mean, you can, you can zoom in and see something that's sitting on the floor. I mean, everything is, I mean, so you really can. And the, the only thing, other thing that you really need to do is, uh, and, and of course you have this, is have an inspection. So you've got somebody third party who's going out there and, and making sure that they're verifying that what the seller and the agent uh, or whoever else is involved in making money from the transaction is saying is true. And then you've got another third-party appraisal, right? That's going to show that you're, you're not overpaying for the property. So there's a right. bunch of safeguards in place. 
um, to make sure that what you're buying is, is actually there. And in addition to that, one of the things that we do is um, our properties have tenants in place already. So you can easily verify that there's a lease by receiving the lease. You can read through it, make sure you understand what it says. Um, property management contacts, they can call and talk to the management companies, talk about the property. Usually by this time, the property management company knows the property. They know how it's operated. Um, so I mean, there, there's just so much that makes it so that you can, you can run and manage your property from a long distance without actually visiting and seeing it um, that most people don't. It takes too much time. Um, and most people realize that going and hugging your property isn't going to make it make more money. So um, most people don't. It's, it's crazy. And, and I, you know, back when I first started in 2005, I thought it was nuts that people would, I mean, they would invest hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and have never seen the properties before. But when you have enough professionals helping you with the process, uh, it makes it so that you can do it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you look at like other types of investing, right. If you, if you invest in an Apple stock, you're not going to typically go look at the Apple headquarters in person. Right. So right. It, real estate's a little unique in the investing spectrum as, as one of those few investments when people historically wanted to actually touch and feel the thing they were buying. And it sounds like, I think what, what you're really unlocking is, and, and I want to talk more about this is, you know, uh, making buying real estate feel and look a lot like going into E-Trade and buying a stock and that you can kind of evaluate it on your computer and you can make a decision and then you can own it for a while and maybe eventually sell it. Uh, not too different than how you would stocks and bonds and other kind of more liquid forms of uh, investing. Yeah. And it's even better than that because like you said, when you buy your stock on your E-Trade account, you don't talk to anybody. No, you don't even talk to your stockbroker. I mean, you just click and you buy it. But how cool is it that you can do something very similar to that, except for you can actually talk to the director of operations for the company that is running your asset. You, you can actually access the people who are directly affecting your asset. So it's a mix of both because in the real estate world, um, there's so many tech companies that are trying to eliminate people but real estate is a people business. If you, if you have a piece of real estate, there are human beings occupying it, right? Not robots, they're human beings. Someone interacts with those human beings. And so while it, we make it almost as easy, except for the loan process, good hell, that's, that's never <laughs> gonna be uncomplicated, I think. Um, but other than that, um, the rest of it is super easy. But you also have the benefit of being able to call up I mean, it's not quite Steve Jobs, but you do get to call up and talk to the owner of the management company if you really want to, but at right. least the manager that's in charge of your property and everyone else who's, who's associated with it. Because if you want to call the person who owns it, the seller, you can. If you want to get a scope of work of everything that's done, I mean, you don't get that from Apple. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm an Apple aficionado but I've never gotten the scope of work to what puts this iPhone and makes it right. You know, I, I don't get that. So it, it is, it's unique um, because you have so much information, you have so much access to the high level individuals who are managing your asset. 
So when we were talking before, you, you were saying that you're starting to kind of build out some some technology maybe within your own company or leverage some. Can you kind of talk us through that a little bit of, of what you're looking to do on the tech front and how you see that making life easier um, for investors in real estate and, and maybe folks that, you know, don't live right next door and aren't managing the property that they own. Yeah. So there's a, there's, as we talk to our clients and um, potential clients, what we've, what we've found is that they want a, an easy way to be able to project. So like, for instance, if you go onto E-Trade, you've got all of the, you've got all of this research data that's there for them. And you can, you can look at the charts and graphs and you can try to figure out what's going on before you invest. So what we've created um, and is already done is, is the ability for, um, you know, when we have our wealth consultation with people and we go through their finances and their balance sheet to see where their assets are and how they're usable, we can actually use live um, properties just like they could use live stocks in E-Trade, right? We can use live, live properties to show them and project exactly you know, what happens based on the projections that are put into the properties. And we can stack, you know, we can do several different um, projections based on how many properties, types of properties, areas, and you can see very clearly how they perform. What happens to your assets um, using all four of the returns from real estate? Because unlike stock, real estate has cash flow like we already talked about, but also has principal reduction because somebody's paying off your mortgage. It also has tax benefits and then there's appreciation. So there's four separate returns and you can see inside the software, which each one of those does and you can click on and off of each one of those and it, and it, it, it runs throughout the entire pro forma prospectus. And then you can, you can sell properties in year five. You can reinvest um, all of the, the market gift that was given to you by appreciation um, and see what five years looks like, what your buying power is in five years, well, how that affects your cash flows. Um, and then each client will have their own customer portal where they can log in and see, hey, how's this thing? How are all of these 10 properties? How are they doing? You know, what, what's the return on each one of these? Is there a dog in the 10 that I need to get rid of and reinvest? Is there um, how is this comparing to my 401k or my other IRA retirement accounts? How is this performing versus my E-Trade account? And where should I go a little heavier? Um, all of that stuff. Um, having access to that, having access to all of your documents, that's what our clients are, are looking for. How can I take awesome. properties and actually look at them on a monthly or quarterly basis and go, how is this really performing? And then can I have access to everything that I need at my fingertips? Yeah, one thing I struggle with sometimes, and I'm interested to hear how you talk about this, is um, giving the visualization to an investor of why leverage is so powerful. So I was one of our employees was actually asking me um, a question the other day of uh, kind of talking about different forms of debt and, and should they be paying off different types of debt? And, and one of my first responses was, well, it, it, so much of that depends on the interest rate. And so, you know, if you have college loans at a 3% interest rate, then honestly, like probably not. You probably, in my opinion, everyone's got different opinions here, but in my opinion, now is probably not the time to go pay off those college loans. Instead, 
you should be leveraging low interest rates to, you could probably get yourself an eight, 10% return somewhere else. Uh, that makes more sense. Is that, is that kind of how you're starting to talk investors through um, this type of stuff? So they can start, start to see, you know, how maybe pulling out a, a refinance of some property and using that money as a down payment on other property can kind of change their overall um, cash flow. Yeah. So that's part of the reason that we created the, the, the software is to run different scenarios for people so they can, so they can, cause I'm a visual guy. I like to see in clearly in front of me, either in graph form or in numbers, what does this look like? Like, sh should I pay cash for stuff? Should I leverage it? And what are the different terms do to my return, right? So you were talking about low interest rates. Yeah, low interest rates, but it's also the terms of the loan, right? So if I'm getting a, a, a pretty decent loan, but it's on a three-year arm, right now, that's probably not a good deal because I can lock in 30-year money. Um, and, you know, all of, those, all of those factors go into what you're projecting. And so the other thing that I tell people all the time is, is real estate investing is not a one-size-fits-all game because if you're nearing the end of life and you want to just, you, you want to have everything paid off and just cash flowing so you don't have to worry about anything, there's nothing wrong with that. You've, you're kind of out of growth phase, right? You've got a few million dollars. You want this thing to just cash flow. You don't want to have to cannibalize your, your asset value because you want to pass that on to your, to your kids and your grandkids. That's a whole different phase than somebody who's 35 and has been in business for 10 years. And now they've got half a million to a million dollars they don't know what to do with. And they're sick of having it lose money uh, wherever they've had it. Um, that's a different game. You know, they're still in growth mode and still in conquer the world mode, right? So uh, that's, why this, that's why this whole planning things out up front before you go buying a whole bunch of assets that might have not been the right ones for you um, is really, really critical. And, and actually um, thinking through where are my assets? And if I'm putting 50% down um, on this leveraged IRA property, is that better than investing in an apartment syndication or is it worse than investing in an apartment syndication? Which one's going to be better for me based on where my assets are? Because all of these different asset bases have different rules and how you can play the game. Yeah, I, I love what you're getting at there. It's, it's kind of a concept I haven't actually heard said like you have, but it, it's, it's starting to get to the point of where uh, the deal is very personalized to the individual. And what, what may be a good deal for someone may actually not be a good deal for someone else. Um, you know, to lay out an easy example, if something is going to take, you know, for example, I just invested in a uh, winery. That is a, a five, 10 year bet probably to get, um, you know, we'll get some cash back in the, in the short term, but it's, it's really a long term bet of building out a winning bet you, you know, uh, to someone else who's just looking for short term cash returns over the next three, five years, that, that's probably not the right play. Um, but both could actually be good deals for the right person. Absolutely. And how you allocate that money too, right? So, you have some of your money in, in short-term, um, you know, notes or hard money loans where you're, you don't have all of your money in long-term assets so that you've, you've got some liquidity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as you talk through, you know, real estate's really cool because inside of real estate, you can do so many different things. You can have short-term strategies. 
um, that produce high yields, but also you can have long-term strategies that produce high yields and have poor returns. And there's, there's all these different really cool things that you can do. But that's why it's so important when you, when you sit down to start doing something in real estate that you actually think through, okay, what's my goal? What am I actually trying to accomplish here? You know, am I a, am I a doctor or a dentist who's, you know, 50 years old and is sick of, of being chair side? Am I trying to figure out how to get out of my business? And I need the cash flow to cover what my cash flow is for my business so that I can feel comfortable selling my business and taking that asset uh, and, and then reinvesting it. Is there a way that I can sell my, my business and reduce my tax liability by investing in certain types of real estate? Right. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's opportunity zone funds out. There's all kinds of really cool things in real estate, but you, you need to seek out people who understand that stuff so that when you lay out your plan, they can go, man, you should do a little bit of this, but you should also do this over here. And I know a person who can help you yeah. um, make this happen, right? Do, do you encourage clients to diversify across different geographies or is that we, we do to a certain client? degree? And it also depends on the client because if, if you're, if you're in, um, let's say you're in 10 different States and you got two properties in each one and those properties could be multiple units or whatever. Well, now you, you potentially could have 10 different property managers that you're, that you're managing, right. which, man, you can diversify into maybe three, and then you've got three, three of them. Or right. if you luck out, you can choose specific marketplaces that have the same um, asset manager or property manager, right? And it makes your life a lot easier, but you can still diversify. In addition to that, you can diversify across different asset classes. So you can buy some of your own properties. You can invest into a syndication. Well, that syndication, if it's run by good operators, that can also diversify yourself into another market and to another asset class. There's a whole different, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that. Um, all of which the key is the right property management company and not breaking the unbreakable rule, which is cash flow. Ashley. Yeah. I love that. Almost looking at appreciation as a bonus, I guess. Is it is. So we're tax benefits. I, I see so many people who buy properties for tax benefits. Well, I mean, we just had the tax laws rewritten two years ago that are really, really attractive to real estate people. But in the next year and a half, they could not be. They could completely unwind all of that stuff, right? So that's also a bonus. I'm kind of a firm believer that most of the people who are in our government own real estate. So they'll always be pretty generous to us because they're always <laughs> generous to themselves, but they could change them a little bit and make it not quite as attractive as it is right now. Um, so that's a bonus as well. But two things never change cash flow and people paying off your mortgage. Those two things never change. Right. Is there anything you've learned over the last 10, 15 years that maybe you don't do anymore? Uh, maybe you've had, you had had an example of somewhere where you either you bought something or you helped a client buy something that you said, man, I, I've learned from that and, and have kind of iterated forward to, to provide a better experience or better returns for yourself. I think the thing that uh, is most important out of everything is to, is to vet the people rather than the property. That's the most important. So the only thing, the, the only thing over the last decade that I've learned is that um, the people who are providing the service and the properties 
um, those are the, that's what's most important. So because in real estate, anything can go wrong. I mean, nothing is perfect in real estate. Anybody who's owned it for any length of time knows that. But vetting the people, people who stand behind what they've done, the work product that they have and the work product that they're providing, um, those are people that you want to do business with. Right. So basically both the, the builder or rehabber and then also whoever is going to be taking care of the property long term. And maybe that's the same person or maybe it's different people, but um, almost more so than obsessing over every last I dotted and T's crossed of the kind of inspection report. Uh, yeah, because it's so much more important to have someone who, um, you know, for instance, you, you buy a property and um, things been rented for whatever, six months and you close on the property and immediately after you close, the tenant moves out, man, that can really affect what a brand new investor feel. They feel like they got screwed. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it probably wasn't that way, but it feels like that way, right? Because yeah. as soon as I close, well, then the people stop paying and they move out. But to have somebody who goes, I understand exactly what you're going through. We're going to replace the tenant. You don't have to pay us for the lease up fee. And we're going to make sure that your, your investment was what it was supposed to be when you closed. Nobody has to do that, but that's a really cool stand-up operator that's helping you have a good taste in your mouth so that you'll continue to come back and invest in properties. Or you have some kind of a maintenance challenge that, you know, that, that was something that they actually did in the rehabs and it, and, it, and it just wasn't right. And you find out 60 days in that that happened. A stand-up company will go, yep, that's something that we rehabbed and it didn't work. So we're going to go back out there and we're going to fix it and we're not going to charge you for it. Um, those kind of things, having people who actually stand behind what they do is really, really important. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, there's a question we ask about every guest and that is what, what is that maybe you're excited about over the next two to five years? Um, maybe from a, a tech innovation perspective or just how you see real estate changing that, that gets you kind of excited of, of uh, maybe new opportunities or, or better returns in real estate? I think that there is a, from my perspective, I think there's a massive opportunity um, in the, in the broker agent space, because I think it's going to be massively disrupted over the next five years. Um, it's already being disrupted um, by all of these uh, tech companies, um, Zillow, Redfin, all these iBuyers, and even the, the data companies that are getting into the iBuyer um, space um, and even the iSeller space, right? So I think uh, all these hedge funds are playing a role in all of this as well. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see what they actually come up with on, uh, on reselling some of the properties, some of the, you know, hundreds of thousands of properties these guys own across the country. Um, I really think that there is a place for high tech and high touch um, that I think is going to be lost on the, on the larger tech companies where um, guys like me, um, people who are in the space can really niche into high tech with high touch. There are certain clientele, um, the affluent specifically, who will pay for someone um, to help them uh, and make the process easy. And that requires high touch. 
uh, and also the customer service side um, and customer experience side after the sale and before the sale. Um, there are people out there who don't want to click and buy something and never speak to a human being. Yeah, and I guess so I think no there's going to be a, a niche. I think there's going to be a niche there where high tech mixed with high touch is going to win. Um, I don't exactly know what it's going to look like, but I have a feeling that it is. I, I think you can't get high touch entirely out of real estate. Um, but I think tech is going to disrupt a, a major, major um, sector of the, of the broker and agent relations. I mean, I guess the equivalent, right, would be if you look at like wealth management or even just stock buying, right, you still have your high touch stockbrokers or wealth managers, but then you mm -hmm. also have the Robin Hoods of the world that just are, you know, there's basically nothing behind it. And it's, you yep. know, a couple of clicks of a button. And I think to, to your point, I agree. It's interesting. Um, I, I'm, so I'm a big believer. I actually think there's going to be a significant decrease in the number of real estate agents. Yeah, absolutely. Five, that's what I was, years. if I wasn't clear, that's what I'm saying. I think they're going to get smoked out of the, uh, out of the space. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So, uh, most people I would say, or many people disagree about, or at least that I've talked to have, had been very, uh, and, and their disagreement goes something like, well, real estate is still a people business. It still requires, um, you know, kind of local touch to it. And, I think the way you explained it is perfect, which is, you know, you start to see kind of different buckets form, which is the, the no touch, which is probably the cheapest and also the simplest. And then a, 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 a higher touch, but that higher touch is still coupled and has to be coupled with technology moving forward. Absolutely. And as such, uh, you know, you, you still see a, a, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a, you know, 60, 70% reduction in real estate agents the folks that aren't using tech aren't tied to tech and are just essentially transactional in basis today. Well, the, you can already see it happening because brokers are getting brokers are getting killed right now in the market. They have all, they have this massive um, overhead of, of, of human beings, human capital, right? In addition to that, they have all of the responsibility on their shoulders and they're getting paid less and less and less and less. And that's going to continue to happen. So 6% is going to go, it's going to continue to, to dwindle um, until it is no longer feasible to own a traditional brokerage. So traditional brokerages are not going to work. And so how do you compensate for that? You compensate by using technology to make yourself efficient so that you can, so that you can operate on the, on the reduced fees, right? And then the people who will get the large fees are the ones who are going to pro provide that other class the attention that they, that they want, they crave, they deserve, and that they're willing to pay for. And um, everyone else, which is the mass of all realtors and brokers out there, they're going to get squashed. Um, and most of them aren't even going to see it coming because I think they're getting some really crappy advice from the NAR and other people where they're saying, you can't get rid of realtors and they already have gotten yeah, rid I mean, of it, a lot of realtors because people are buying without them and they're selling without them. Not in massive numbers yet, but I'm going to stress yet because blockchain technology could make it really, really easy for 
um, some of the things that are really, really complicated that you have to have people to help with. Um, and I think the first lawsuit that unseats the NAR, um, everything's going to tumble after that. So interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had a couple guests who have brought up blockchain kind of doing a lot of what maybe a title company does today um, to make it easier to basically transact real estate without needing all those different parties. Uh, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. And uh, what I always say is, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of people say, said, uh, you know, taxi cab drivers couldn't be replaced for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> right? Not and, only were they replaced, you know. but it's a hell of a lot better. Yeah, it's a better product. I right. mean, uh, I'll never take it. I'll never take a taxi again, ever. I mean, Uber, <laughs> Uber and Lyft are so much leagues better than a taxi. Um, and the only thing keeping those taxi drivers in place was their basically their corrupt, uh, uh, in in ensconced uh, contracts with with cities and in in municipalities. As soon as that gets smashed in the courts, it's over. And it's the exact same thing that the NAR has. And, and I'm a broker, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm in this, this thing. But I'm telling you, there, I mean, there's one lawsuit already brought against them nationally. And basically everything that they say inside of that lawsuit is accurate. It's, it's not inaccurate, right? I mean, maybe that lawsuit doesn't win but one of them's going to win sometime soon and then every one of these i buyers is is going to have full bore open reign on real estate and the nar that's what basically is that is that the governing body of the mls it's it's a, is that basically what? the national association of realtors is a lobbying outfit honestly that and and um you know they they have a pretty firm hold on um legislation that is that is written. Um, and it's, and it's all to protect the consumer. And a lot of that is true. There's a lot that the NAR and real estate brokers and agents do that protect consumers. Um, but it only takes a little, it only takes one person that's like Uber to disrupt it and still provide that level of protection to clients, but make it easier and more efficient and less necessary to have what, three or four people involved in a transaction that all have to be paid. Come on. Right. I mean, at That's least half, at least half of that can go away, right. which is 3% on a $200,000 house, which is the average across the country, right? That's a lot of money. Right. Right. Times a lot of transactions every year. Um, cool. Uh, well, look, uh, Ron, uh, super awesome. Uh, I share many of your sentiments. Uh, you seem super passionate about tech and obviously investing. Um, if folks want to reach out to you to get more info um, about you or maybe how you work with clients, what, what would be a good way? Um, they can visit our website, rpcinvest.com. Stands for RP Capital, rpcinvest.com. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of us. We have a chat on there. You can, you can reach out via chat or um, all of our contact information's on there. You can sign up for a wealth appointment if you'd like to on there. Um, they're free of charge. Um, and then there's tons of free education. We don't charge free of our education. So um, that's where I would go. That's awesome. Yeah, we've done a, we've gotten to know you uh, a good amount this year and, and just a really cool organization of how you're just helping people out. Um, 
you know, finding opportunities that they, they, they could have never found before across the country. So love what you're doing and, uh, and hope people can, can reach out where it makes sense. Awesome. Well, the feeling's mutual. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I hope, uh, hope this was educational for everybody. It was great. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for that first NAR uh, lawsuit coming down the pipeline. All right, and, uh, man. Thanks for joining. We'll talk to you soon, Ron. All right, see ya. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram. If you're cool like my wife, And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.